Welcome to the Ots and Audibles podcast, National Signing Day as we know it. Uh, Matt Prame, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack. Uh, Oregon has announced two signings. One of them is a scholarship player. One of them is a walk-on. Uh, Gatlin Bear is the scholarship, is a five-star. It's the only scholarship player that we're expecting Oregon to sign today. There may be a couple more walk-ons that trickle in, um, but all of Oregon's heavy lifting was done – last last period in December. Um, so today's show is there's not much like to, to break down and to you know discuss from news that happens today. So we're pivoting a little bit and we're gonna talk about just the entire class now that's done. Uh, and we've got some we've got some categories that we're, we're gonna pick and uh, we're gonna run through some players that we're you know we just want to highlight and uh, Eric, came up with the format. So we will let Eric go first here with his first selection. Thank you, Matt. And uh, before I start, I just want to say Gatlin Bear, because I haven't talked about on the podcast. Extremely exciting young player. I'll keep this quick. Uh, it's a bummer we won't get him until 2026 following his Mormon mission, but this guy is deserving of his five-star status. And if you don't believe me, go watch his film because he is extremely explosive. Okay. Um, so yeah, I've got five different categories here. I think we're all just going to name our choice and just go in a circle. So I'll start with the three-star who could perform like a five-star. I thought we'd start by highlighting guys a little further down the commit list because I'm sure most listeners here are, are like starting at the top of the list and scrolling down and looking at all the five-stars and four-stars. But there's some guys kind of on the, the three-star level I think are worth acknowledging. And, and my pick here, and honestly, the reason I thought of the category was Roger Seliapaga. Um he has some really unique traits as a pass catcher for someone his size. And, um, you know, there's, there's another category later. I thought about him with two, which was like guy whose highlight film I watched or I enjoyed watching the most. And I, I didn't go there. I went with somebody else, but like Celia Pog is like, he, he can make some incredible contested catches. He's, he's long, he's rangy, um, you know, very similar to like Kenyon Sadiq and AJ Pugliano from this class. You know, these last two cycles, Maringer has basically recruited guys that had played receiver and then converted them to playing tight end. And that's what this is basically with Saliapaga. But the traits there, if he's able to add the, the the weight and strength, I think this could be a multiple year starting tight end for Oregon down the line, just with what we see him do as a pass catcher. The rest of the stuff needs to get worked out. But Terrence Ferguson was kind of in a similar boat when he came out of high school, too out of Littleton, Texas and Colorado, like he was playing, I think a little bit more in line, but a lot of it was just outside and look at what he's developed into. I think, I think Sally Apaga could develop into a similar career here where maybe it takes a little longer than Ferguson because he has to get used to the, you know, the playing the position and gaining some weight. But I also think this, the, the ceiling here is really high. So I'm not sure um, what exactly it means, what my category means in terms of like what it looks like to play like a five-star, but if it means playing like somebody who can be a multi-year starter and down the line look really good while being somebody who was only a three-star recruit, I think Sally Pog is a good pick. I think that's a good parameter in terms of what it means to be playing like a five-star. Um, and I assume we're going off the top two, four, seven rankings for this. That's what I used. Um, I'm flexible because I know there's a lot of difference between the two. Yeah. Um, I like the pick, Eric. I think Sally Paga, I don't think he'll do anything this year, but if he can be yeah. down the line, a multi-year, maybe two, three-year starter and see himself get into the NFL, I think that's certainly uh, a good good development, a good sign for Oregon there. Uh, I'm going with Devin Brooks, interior offensive lineman, true three-star, 
Love it. You know, he 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 rose a lot in the rankings over the course of his high school season. Um, I think this is kind of like a, a it was an easier pick for me because you know, in-state guy, he's an interior offensive lineman. He's got the size like already. He's listed at six foot four, two hundred and ninety pounds. Oregon's gonna have you know, in the next couple of seasons here, opportunities for interior offensive linemen to to get in and play with Marcus Harper and, and uh, Matthew Bedford, guys who are you know have one or two years like max of eligibility left on their on their t- on their clocks. So, I think Brooks could come in and play. I like his tape. I think he's athletic. I think he obviously needs to get into like college football shape, which means adding more weight, adding just straight muscle, things like that. But um, Again, performing like a five-star. If you can get multi-year starters out of him, and I, I'm not—I I don't want to make any comparisons, but you know, a guy similar-ish in this sense last year was Iapani Laulu, a yep. guy who was a four-star. Don't get me wrong, was a good, like a nationally rated recruit, and was certainly talented coming out of high school. But you know, weren't really sure what to expect of him, and he ended up being, uh, you know, honestly one of the one of the crown jewels of that 2023 class. So I'm not saying Devin Brooks will be. But he has a pretty, pretty straightforward line in terms of getting to that starting level and you know taking advantage of and and you know becoming a starter on the offensive line at Oregon as a kid from Clackamas, a guy who I grew up rooting for the Ducks. Uh, I had Devin Brooks as well, um, so I don't need to go much into detail. I guess the other name I would throw out would be Jackson Jones. I, I think he's got to wait some time, but he could find himself playing and playing starter minutes down the road for Oregon as an edge guy. I thought of Brooks, too. I think that's a really good pick, and I kind of liked Jared's comparison to Poncho. I have no idea if it will play out this way, but I do know Brooks is being recruited in part to play center, and it might be a situation where he redshirts in 24, Poncho's the guy in 25, and if Poncho has, like, two really good years, we just saw it with Jackson Powers Johnson. I'm not right, expecting he could this. He could go, and if he goes, maybe Devin Brooks just steps right in there. So I, I think that's a good pick as well. Um, Jackson Jones, Matt's kind of alternate candidate, another guy I considered. There's not that many three-star players, mm-hmm. but the ones that really Yeah, that's a problem. You know, that was, I think those were the three that I was picking between, to be honest with you. And I went with Roger just because of maybe personal preference. Okay, um, this is a, a big pivot to kind of – the other types of recruits in this class, most likely to be a three and done. So these are the guys that we think could play three years at a really high level and be good enough to enter the NFL draft. I guess you could twist this into guys who could play three years and transfer, but uh, that's not really the intention of the category. Um, mine's pretty simple. I want Elijah Rushing. He has all the traits. He is Still the highest rated recruit in this class. I know Gatlin Bear is like one player behind him in the 24-7 sports ranking. Um, edge guys, like you think about the type of positions that you're looking for that would be high draft picks and that would have that kind of a grade that would push a guy to go. Edge players, offensive tackles, receivers, quarterbacks, maybe a cornerback. Um, I just think rushing has all the traits. And we've seen now at Oregon last year that, that if guys are – Dan said it in 2022, but I think in 23 it became clear, which is if you're good enough, you're old enough. And we've seen it specifically with with edge guys that last year, three of these guys came in and none of them are as highly rated as rushing and played right away and played really well. And I think I look at Mateo as somebody who will probably be a three and done. I think Elijah rushing could follow a very similar career path where he probably isn't 
a starter this year or maybe even next year just because of some of the talent in front of him, but he's a big-time rotational piece. And then by the time his third year rolls around, he has a breakout year, maybe has 12, 13 sacks, and he's gone. That's sort of what I'm looking at with him and why I picked him. A good pick again. Um, you know, obviously the highest rated guy in the class. So you, you kind of hope that he's a three and done player. That's why he's given his five star status. But he has certainly has all the tools and the intangibles to, you know, get to that level, kind of that KT level of uh, being an edge rusher and getting on the outside line and being dominant. Um, I kind of struggled with this one. I, I thought rushing was a good one. Uh, and I really struggled between two players. I went with Ifeo Bedegwu, it was between him and Dakota Fields. Um, I, this kind of goes to Eric's point that he made at the very beginning, like what positions are incredibly valuable and right. the cornerback is one of them. And when you have two cornerbacks, both of them being over six foot one and playing physical and long and rangy and can get downhill, like that's kind of what you want in a cornerback. And, you know, if he opened egg, obviously made a bunch of names at the all American games and played really well and covered tight ends and wide receivers had a pick six in one of them. he, you know, was one of my favorite of the class for as long as he's been uh, committed. I just love that how physical he plays at the corner position. I feel like Oregon is a team that, you know, demands that out of their corners. I think he can fit that need. So I have him being as a three and done prospect. Um, I I don't think he'll, you know, Oregon's cornerback room is so, so deep and talented this year. It's going to be difficult to get onto the field as a true freshman a lot to showcase their talents. But, you know, after the season, you know, Jabbar Muhammad gone, Cam Alexander's gone, Dante Manning would still have a year of eligibility left, but Dale and Austin, we don't know. Roderick Pleasant, we don't know. Like, there's a lot of question marks after 2024 of, of a year, but, and that could be if he Obedego's spot to take the starting spot, start in 24, and then, uh, excuse me, start in 25, and then start in 26. So that could be his method at three and done. But uh, there's a couple guys I thought of, but he's, if he was my number one choice. I don't think there's going to be any freshmen that that play significant snaps. So I instantly looked at it and said, okay, what, what's the position that a guy's going to see the, the room clear out after year one. And I picked receiver. Um, and then I went just with the highest receiver, Jeremiah McClellan. Um, Troy Franklin had 20 catches for 209 yards, his freshman season, and then exploded his next two and is gone. Uh, I think McClellan could have something, a career path very similar to that where he's fighting to just get on the field, let alone catch the ball during the 2024 season. But then Trayshawn Holden's gone. We know yep. Tez Johnson's gone. We know that Gary Bryant's probably gone. We know that Evan Stewart potentially could be gone. All four of your, your main guys are just poof gone and now opens the door for playing time. And I think McClellan's probably – the most ready-made player on the roster that aren't fresh, you know, that aren't upperclassmen. Uh, and so I just went with him and begging on the fact that he's a high star, high profile recruit. He's got the measurables. He can play multiple positions. The staff really loves him. Uh, he's he's going to come in and maybe year two is when we see him put himself on the map. I like that too, because if you think about what year two could mean, Matt, he could be working with Dante more this fall as like the prime, one of his primary guys with the with the twos. And by year two, more could step in as the quarterback and the clone might be somebody with really good chemistry with them right away. So I think that's another another good one. There's a lot, I mean, honestly, there's like half the class that could fit here because that's how talented it is in terms of players that could be three three and dimes. And I know, 
you know, that doesn't happen. I don't know if as frequently as some think in terms of players only playing three years and going at a school like Oregon, particularly, but at the schools that recruit the way Oregon is trying to, and it currently is like Georgia and Alabama and Ohio state, like that's, you go back and look at the classes that they'll lose four or five guys a cycle that were just three year players that played really, really well and went on. So I think there's a, a, a number of candidates from, from Oregon that could work here. And I like all the picks we said there. Okay. Um, this one was, to me, the most challenging, but that's part of the reason I wanted to include it, which is the first guy to make a start. And one thing I want to do as we go through this is to say, are we thinking he'd actually start, this part of play would start in 24? Let's identify when we think this first start could be um, while we go through this exercise. I went with um, Jericho Johnson, the nose tackle. There's a couple of things here. First off, kid's already 360 pounds, which is rather large. Um basically day one ready in terms of just the size, which isn't something you always see for players coming out of high school at these type of positions. And uh, it remains to be seen to me how much of that is good weight, how much of that is bad weight. And if like, you know, sometimes you see kids come in at 290 who want to play nose tackle and it's like, okay, they need to add 20 or 30 pounds. This might be a situation it probably is where it's like, okay, Jericho, let's cut 15 to 20 pounds. I think they'd love to have mm -hmm. him playing in the 330, 340 range though, if he's athletic enough. Um, yep. But the main reason here is, is, besides him being a really good player and being ready is I think this is the position group probably on the roster. I'm least confident with in terms of specifically nose tackle. Like when we're going through this too deep to exercise, I know Jared was the one that kind of leading it. Like if you land on Amari Washington and Ben Roberts being your, your big returners sort of speaks to the fact where a guy like Jericho Johnson, who again has already said publicly, he, he wants to come in and push to start right away. Um, so I could see him being, Maybe not a day one starter, but I wouldn't mm -hmm. be stunned if as the year plays out, he and whoever it is who has that spot, it could be Amari Washington, as we predicted, are battling. And Jericho maybe has a week or two where he's been better and they give him a start. Or there's injuries. We see that happen a lot with the defensive line. I just think he's going to be in position to play. So I think he'll start in 2024. Um, I don't think he's a full-time. Like, I'd be stunned if he started more than maybe four or five games, but... I could see it be a situation by where midseason he's kind of like already a pseudo starter. And then on the stretch run there at the back end, maybe he's already solidified himself because I do think the cream will rise to the top with a player like that. And not to diminish Amari Washington, who I think is a really, really exciting young player. Um, right. But Jer Jericho Johnson was a more significantly higher rated recruit for a reason. So I, I went there. I think there are some other really interesting choices. And I'm, I'm curious to see where you guys went with this. Yeah, I felt like there were only a handful of choices here. I thought Jericho was definitely one of them just because of the depth that we've talked about a bunch of times, or at least, you know, like I've, I've made it a, a, a big point to discuss. Um, you know, I went with Aaron Flowers and uh, I can anticipate him, you know, potentially starting in 2024, but I think it would most likely have to do with an injury to somebody in the safety room um, for him to get that chance to start. And I talked about this a lot on the depth chart prediction show, like the safety room is really thin. Like there are a lot of a lot of question marks there in the second unit. The first unit looks good, and I uh, you know I like how they're going to play. Like at least on paper, what it looks like. But you know, Aaron Flowers could be that guy, or he could be the guy like immediately because of his height. It's a little bit better than everybody else's and his range that he showed during the All American Bowls, and he showed that he could be a day one guy um, in those situations. And like I've said previously on on many different podcasts, if there are places that you want to see or there has to be a true freshman who start safety is not the worst one to be safety or edge rusher or you know wide receiver or running back are not the worst places to have it. So 
I can see him starting in 2024 at one point. He's more likely to be a 2025 guy, you know, as long as his development continues and he stays healthy. But, um, you know, really like one one pretty major or one kind of significant injury away from, you know, getting the call as maybe like a boundary safety or a free safety. Uh, Flowers was my guy. Um, that's who I was running with. So I don't need to repeat anything that Jerry just said. Uh, I'll go with Aiden Breland. Um, Jericho Johnson needs to lose weight. Aiden Breland could add maybe – 10 to 15 pounds and he's right there at that weight from a, from a defensive line perspective, like Eric, I don't think uh, if he does start, it's, it's a spot duty situation. It's because of injuries or maybe he pushes himself forward. Um, but I, I'll go with Aiden Breland as flowers was my, my primary guy. Yeah, no, it, Flowers is a great pick for for this one. I also think for similar reasons, he's a good pick for the next one. He is my pick for the next one, which is the guy who will start the most games. And the reason I say that is we see safety sometimes earn these, to Jared's point, earn these roles early on in their careers and then just hold on to them for like several years. And I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. at all if kind of the – mechanism or the storyline of how I see Jericho's season going could be what happens with Flowers where he's not the starter to begin the season. They brought in all these veteran guys who are are ahead of him, but maybe there's an injury or he just outplays them. And by the end of the season, you're like, oh man, he's really good. He's going to get some starts. And then by 2025, he's a no-brainer starter. And in 2026, he's a no-brainer starter. And then it's like, does he go pro after 26 or does he come back? And if he comes back, because safety sometimes aren't always the most highly drafted players. Maybe he plays four years. And if he plays four years, that could be a career where he has 35, 36 starts, something like that. So um, I I really like him here. And then I actually almost went Devin Brooks just because of the way we kind of talked earlier about the possible handing off like Poncho. Um, I thought that was another, another good candidate for most games started. There's some cornerbacks who could certainly play a role. As we talked about earlier, the receiver room really opens up. So there's some receivers, but Ultimately, I think Flowers probably enters the best situation long-term to, to hold down a starting job. There just really aren't a lot of contenders, and I'm sure Oregon will recruit great prep players in 25 and will hit the portal in 25. But I wouldn't be surprised if Flowers is a guy who's like one of their three or four best safeties in 24 and then just starts for several years in a row. It's a good pick. I just I, – with this one, it was kind of tough because it's like if you're a really good player and you're starting year one – there's a good chance that you are you are three and done, and yep. the guy behind you plays four years and then ends up starting more games. So I went with a little like off the off the map pick. I went with Ryan Pelham. Mm. You know, we talked about the wide receiver room kind of dipping out, and there's a lot of guys who could be uh, you know thrust into a new role, and they're just their second season. Like Matt went with Jeremiah McClellan. Um, I'm kind of thinking the save for for Pelham. Uh, slot receiver is obviously Tez Johnson's right now, but there's really not a backup on the roster if you look at it. Just by the way, like. Gary Bryant Jr. is probably your backup slot and Z receiver if you want to start Treshawn Holden or, you know, Treshawn did play a lot in the slot. So that's just kind of yeah, you know, like, like, an, like an inline blocker, almost wide receiver instead of Bryant. But um, Pelham could be that guy in year two. So theoretically, if he redshirts this season, he'll have four more years of eligibility after that. And if he develops well and if he you know gains strength and shows that he can catch a football and score touchdowns and do all the good things that offensive players do, Shoot, he might start four years. I'm not sure what the. This also goes into like the last question where slot receiver is not the most valuable wide receiver to have in an NFL draft. So 
maybe sticking around for all four seasons is a good idea. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Ryan Pelham as the guy who ends up making the most career starts. Uh, I, I had flowers um, for a lot of the same reasons Eric did. Um, my other guys that I was considering were Ify Obedigwu and um, Jeremiah McClellan for the same reasons I mentioned McClellan about waiting a year and then the position just completely wide open the following year. Um, if he's the cornerback room is a little bit different because they did sign some guys last year that are that played um, this yeah. season in, in spots, but they've loaded up on a bunch of seniors, which tells me that they're not confident yet that those guys can play every down. And that opens the door for Iffy to show up and it's best man win after that point. So that's how I, that's how I had Iffy and Jeremiah um, as my other two candidates for flowers. Kind of mad at myself for not having Obadegu on any of these categories because I think, like, genuinely, aside from the first one, you could put him for almost all of them. Every single one of them, like, he was somebody who I should have or could have considered. Um, So that's, I don't know if that's a mistake on my part, but it might end up being one. I'm really high on him, too. And and the fact that he rose the way he did, I know I talked about that earlier at the All American thing. I think that means a lot because this is when you see these players go up against the very best. And if a player, rises during that period that sort of indicates he's he's maybe ready to go he might be somebody ready to play early just because he's able to play at such high level against the mm-hmm. very best high school players at these uh, all-american camps okay final one i <laughs> most fun tape to watch and i'm laughing because i'm just thinking of watching the tape which is jaquan mccroy and there are certainly receivers and players who have the football that are Really fun to watch in this class. We've already talked about some of them. I think Jeremiah McClellan, if I'm talking about a guy who just like what it's like watching him catch a football or make plays after he catches the football and all the things around playing receiver was probably the most fun. Gatlin Bear would have been another one. I was mostly bummed by Bear because of the the poor quarterback that he plays for or just one who can't throw the ball the way he needs to throw it because there should be like a dozen more bear just runs 80 yards for a touchdown because he he's like a four, three 40 guy. And the guy who's defending him is like a four, seven, four, eight, 40 guy. But um, McCroy's tape, if you haven't watched it is basically if you picked up like Shaquille O'Neal from the Lakers and just dropped him into like a high school football game. I mean, and that's why his nickname is like baby Shaq. I mean, baby Shaq. He's, he's he is so massive. And honestly, the first 30 seconds of it, you're just cracking up watching it going like, this is unfair. Like this guy is legitimately 6'8, 6'9, 350, 370 pounds, something like that. And he moves way better than you expect him. I think that's the other part that stands out. Like, yeah. I don't know if he's full on dancing bear status, which is, you know, a big, a big person who can, who can, Gershon Yabusele. Oh, there we go. That's a great, great pronunciation as well. I'm not sure he's Thank quite there but he's he's certainly like really agile for a huge person and then it's just really fun to watch a 370 pound person move a 280 pound person like they're you know like an infant i mean he's just moving people around like they're nothing and again this is like high school football in 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 the southeast it's not like he's playing over Mm -hmm. north eugene north eugene high school or something so i really have enjoyed watching his film i know it's offensive line tape and it's not as fun necessarily as a receiver or running back but Go check it out. He's a big guy. He can do a lot of great things. It's a fun tape. And that's what I like. That was it. Oh, oh, like there are a lot of guys on this, on the signing class who are impressive and their tape is impressive, but I kind of went with just like what Eric did. Like 
this is just fun to watch. Like I could laugh a couple of times. Uh, I went with Braden Platt. I, I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. have really oh, delved yeah. into his tape, but he was just like a big matured linebacker who's playing like Washington competition, high school in Washington. And boy, did that work to his advantage. And he just would bowl people over as a running back. Uh, he would hit the snot out of kids as a linebacker. Uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Justin Flo's highlight reel where he's not playing the best competition in Upland, but boy, is he fun to watch just kind of annihilate some kids out there. And that was Braden Platts for me. Um, he was just a fun guy to watch, just absolutely level some, I don't know, some some random kid in the middle of Washington. So uh, that, was, that was mine. It's just a fun tape to watch. And I, you know, every once in a while, you know, just pop it on, just kind of have a chuckle or, or something like that. Uh, I went with Gatlin Bear um, for the very reasons that Eric said that it sucked because it was very impressive <laughs> I know. To, see, yep. to see what he could do with an absolutely terrible quarterback. And no offense to that kid, but uh, Bear was on a team that like was five and seven or five and six going into the playoffs. Like they didn't have a winning record. Um, that's the level of talent that he was playing with. And yet, I think it speaks more to just his athleticism, his composure, his ability to compete, because when he got down to San Antonio for the All-American Bowl, he didn't flinch. There was no adjustment. He was ready to go. Um, Everyone talked about just how impressive he was, how quickly he adjusted to the level of competition. Uh, And you watch him on that tape, and he's – I mean, when he did get the, the football and and oftentimes he had to go make a play and he did. And I think that's really exciting. And unfortunately for Duck fans, you have to wait two years for him to get on campus because he's going to take his LDS mission. Um, and so you're going to have to wait a little bit. But he is a, a guy that could down the road turn into something pretty darn special because he's got Olympic speed. He's tall he's rangy he knows how to play the game uh and it sounds like his work work ethic is pretty darn impressive as well it's a good point to highlight that matt because you're right he's like playing 11 on one almost like some of some of the clips they like throw a screen pass and he has to like outrun literally 10 guys and nobody's blocking for him and he's just doing the whole thing on his own um yeah no and i think the tape is actually worth watching because I hate to speak this into generalities, but when you hear Oregon is signing a really fast white receiver, I think you're thinking this is like Devin Allen 2.0, but I think Gatlin and the reason he's a five-star is so much more than just a guy who can run 10-1 in a straight line in hundred meters. Like he does a lot of great stuff in space. He's really explosive. I think he's a pretty good contested catcher of the football, which isn't what you expect a, for a track guy. He, yeah. He's a real receiver. That's the difference. Like he, this is a guy who's like legitimately does a lot more than just explode and, and fly past people, which is why to Matt's point, and I know I kind of took a, a, a dump a little bit on their high school quarterback who who just wasn't able to get the ball out there far enough, but it's still really impressive watching what Gatlin Bear can do with the football at that level. And if I should also say, if I were to include not just like huddle film, but like the All-American stuff, Bayer probably would have been a really good pick just because of the fact that he did go from playing at you know rural Idaho competition to playing the best in the country and mm-hmm. just as dominant well. against the yeah. other group. So I think that's a, another strong pick. And um, 
don't know, Jared, I did my little brief Gatlin bear spiel. Did you have anything added you'd like to share on, on Gatlin or his significance? Because he is the only player signing today for Oregon that, of the scholarship, at least. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a shame that, uh, that he's on a two-year mission because, uh, boy, is he good. Uh, he certainly deserves five-star status. There's a lot of times, kind of with Kenyon Sadiq last year, too, another kid out of Idaho, where it's like, ah, they're playing bad teams. It's just bad competition. Like, they look good because of yeah. the, how bad everybody else is. And the, I know that they're good, but they're not that good. Uh, they're, they're pretty darn good. And, you know, Bear and say with Sadiq last year, they were able to show that at those All-American games. And I don't think it should be any surprise that Bear, after those All-American games, was able to to go up in rankings and earn his full-time five-star status and um, just kind of showcase that he is he's legit, that – what you see on tape is how he actually plays against some of the better talent. And Eric, you, you talked exactly about that and, and just like how good he is just when he has a quarterback that can throw him the ball. And uh, if you watch his highlight tape, the speed is incredibly impressive. Yes. But uh, he's also a great route runner. He's got good footwork. Um, just like the little clips that he'll share on Twitter of him just running routes out on like an open field. That's you, you kind of get a good idea. I know it's just like little clips on Twitter, but you get a good idea about how his feet work. And I think he's a good route runner. Uh, he's crisp to the ball. I think he can go make con contested catches. Um, and, you know, the, despite the two-year mission trip, he's uh, his, both of his parents were track athletes. So I don't expect that speed to ever really go away. He's obviously got to add some weight, but who doesn't as a high school freshman football player going into college? Um, he'll be fine. I'm, I'm I'm very excited to see what he'll look like in you know in two years, but uh, I, I think he'll be a like depending on if he's able to like keep his workouts going and everything like that, he could be like an instant impact guy as soon as he steps foot onto campus. Exactly, and that's and that's my message, I guess, to Duck fans who are strangely down about landing a five star, but for the reason Jared and I and I know Matt have already shared, which is it just is kind of a bummer he's not on this year's team and you have to wait, but. I think the weight's going to be well worth it here. I think this is a guy, yeah. and I should. We should also note you mentioned his parents. He's also got um, it's a track family, and he's got brothers who have gone from doing missions to then being really high level decathlete and track athletes, like basically instantly. So I don't think this is. I saw people being like, "Oh, he's not going to be ready in 26. He hasn't been working out." I'm like, "I'm." He's going to be in, I think, the Dallas Fort Worth area. I'm pretty sure he'll find yeah, he'll a, be gym, fine. a gym. He'll find a place to yeah. exercise. I'm pretty sure he'll be okay. He he obviously won't be playing football, but uh, it's not like he's just going to sit around on a couch for the next two years and then say, hey, Dan, I'm here. Let's get to work, guys. Sh sh shows up at 245 pounds, hasn't hasn't caught a ball in yeah, 18 yeah. months. Yeah, He strikes me as someone who might be a hard worker. I don't know. Could be. All right, it's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audible's podcast. Go to DuckTerritory.com for more coverage, more analysis on this recruiting class and more baseball season starts, softball season starts this week. Uh, men's and women's basketball are in the, the tail end of their seasons trying to get to postseason play. And then before you know it, spring football will be here. So until the next one, you've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.